about people who would find a a, uh, a lantern, an old time lantern, and they would rub the lantern and a genie would pop out. You remember old fairy tales like that? The genie would pop out and the genie would say, I grant you three wishes, anything you desire. We remember stories like that, don't we? Well, genie in a bottle kind of a story. Of course, that is just complete make-believe and that's impossible, right? Wouldn't it? That doesn't ever happen. That's just That's just in fairy tale kind of stories. Well, what about uh, a sweepstakes? Say there's a sweepstakes offered, and if you win this sweepstakes, you will be granted any prize you desire, unlimited, whatever you want, ongoing for as long as you want, any prize you desire. What about that? Well, that could never happen either, could it? Because there's there's no way that anybody who was promoting a sweepstakes could afford to provide you with anything and everything you want for as long as you want. That that would never happen. So there are no genies in a bottle, and and every prize that you might win has its limits. Now, understanding that, what if it was possible that a real supernatural force offered you anything you wanted, and this supernatural force had the capacity to... to fulfill your request without limit. What if there was a situation like that? Now, we said there's no genies in a bottle and there's no unlimited winning sweepstakes, but what if there was a force that could grant anything you wanted and absolutely no limitations on what you could have? What if there was a situation like that? I want to tell you, it has happened. There was a case such as that. In the book of First Kings, we read about Solomon becoming king over Israel. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Solomon had what we said actually couldn't happen, but it did happen in his case. A true supernatural power without any limitations offered whatever Solomon wanted. You can have whatever you want. In our lesson today, we want to build our lesson based upon what Solomon asked for. And we'll go to that in just a minute. What would you ask for? Given, given that incredible situation, what would you ask for? We want to go to Solomon's request here in just a minute. We stop now just briefly to say thank you for being here. Beautiful Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee and a great privilege right here to come together to worship God. And we're glad that you're here, and we appreciate your interest that brings you here. We have lots of visitors, a number of young people visiting with us and others. We're glad that you have come our way. We want you to come back every, every time you have a chance. And, of course, ask any questions that you might have. Uh, we had a great week uh, here at College View. It was a very busy week. We had our annual community Bible study, eight years in a row now we've been doing that. Uh, it's really a good thing for us. We think and hope it's a good thing for our community as well. When we come together uh, every recent year, we've been at the Memorial Building. A lot of work going to the Memorial Building, setting it up, taking it down, and so forth. But we really think it's worth it. Uh, we had just outstanding crowds. I think the best crowds we've ever had, especially Monday night. We had over 100 visitors on Monday night. Just really amazing. And it was a good encouragement for us. And we've, re- and we've uh, also been able to develop some good contacts with some of the visitors who came and hope to be able to do some good follow-up with them. So it was just a great week. It was an encouraging week. Uh, and again, 
We mentioned this on Wednesday night, but I just want to commend everybody who had a part in that by supporting it in whatever way you did and could. Um, uh, we thank those who did the physical work of setting up and taking down uh, a lot of wires to connect, chairs to set up and so forth, all of that, thanks. Many of you invited others to come and they came and we were encouraged by that. But it was a good week and we praise God and thank Him that we had this opportunity and pray that good things will happen in His kingdom as a result of that. Thanks to everyone. Okay, back to our lesson now. Think about this. You have a true supernatural power, Almighty God, who offers you anything you want without limitation. God said, ask what I shall give thee to Solomon. And I think you remember what Solomon asked for. And we want to build our lesson upon this request. In 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning verse 7, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? There's the key expression that we want to build our lesson on this morning. Solomon asked for an understanding heart. Now think about this. He could have asked for anything that he wanted, but the, the request was for an understanding heart. That's amazing if you stop to think about it. Because I think... Almost everyone would have begun to immediately think about, well, I could get a lot of money here. I could, I could get, I could get gold and silver and wealth unlimited. I could ask for, I could ask for all kind of money. I could ask for all kind of power. Man, it just almost boggles the mind to think about the things that you could have asked for. It was amazing to us to realize that Solomon asked for an understanding heart. Wisdom basically, to guide the people. And and we know that that request on the part of Solomon was a pleasing thing to God also. As that text goes on in verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And so God gave him the wisdom, the understanding heart that he asked for. And Solomon became famous for that, right? The wisdom of Solomon. He became famous for that. But God was so pleased with his request that he also gave him what he didn't ask for. He could have, but he didn't. He, he could have asked for wealth and riches and power. He didn't ask for it, but God gave him that. And Solomon became famous for that as well. Remember the Queen of Sheba who came to see Solomon? Because she'd heard about his wisdom. She'd heard about his great wealth. She could not believe what she had been hearing about Solomon. She said, I had to come and see it with my own eyes. And, you, and remember the famous expression that the Queen of Sheba used? She said, I, I couldn't believe it. I didn't believe it. But she said, when I came and saw, she said, the half has not been told. You know, even, even the amazing things that I was hearing, it, it couldn't even begin to, to describe what I actually saw when I came to see your wealth, but also your wisdom. And so God blessed Solomon 
with an understanding heart. I want to suggest to you that we need an understanding heart also. That we need understanding in regards to just some simple, important areas that Solomon was requesting. We want to use this te- text to base our lesson this morning. But that understanding heart, that wisdom that Solomon wanted, we need to be wise in those areas as, as well. First of all, let me suggest to you that we need a proper understanding of our own inadequacies. Notice what Solomon said. He said, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Solomon said that he understood he needed God's help because he just felt inadequate in himself. He sensed his own inadequacies. There's a basic human tendency for humans to, I think, overestimate our own worth and importance, to overestimate our own abilities. And I think this is particularly true in spiritual matters uh, related to religious service to God. I think people overestimate their own abilities and they're not aware of their inadequacies. A couple of famous verses to us. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. Jeremiah said, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Now, Jeremiah was right about that, of course. But men have basically ignored that principle, and they have imagined that it is in their power to direct their own steps. And that's why when we talk to our denominational friends, we hear them make reference to their religious councils, their conferences, their synods, their church hierarchy of organization that works completely uh, without any basis in Bible authority. And then, of course, they write their own human creeds. Their, their own guidance for how they will conduct themselves in religious matters. They do not seem to understand that they do not have the power to direct their own steps. We need to realize when it comes to serving spiritually, we can't decide that for ourselves. We've got to depend upon God. We're inadequate to direct our own steps. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death. It might seem absolutely right to you. And I think if we look at our friends in the religious world, by and large, I would argue that they probably, this seems right to them, that that's the way they, they look at that. But in Proverbs, it says that which might seem right to us can very well lead to death, spiritual death. We need to realize we're inadequate. We don't have the ability. We need an understanding of the fact that we should depend upon God. In Judges chapter 17, verse 16, it talks about Israel in the days of the judges, of course. And it says, In their days there was no king in in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That which was right in his own eyes. Let me ask a question. How did that turn out for him anyway? It didn't work too well, did it? We remember our studies in the book of Judges where just continually the children would fall away. they become unfaithful to God. God would allow oppressors to come in and cause them all kind of grief and heartache. When they would turn to God, He would send a deliverer, but they'd go right back and follow that same path again and again and again. Doing what's right in your own eyes doesn't work. And it doesn't work for us either. We need to realize that we are inadequate. To guide ourselves, we need to trust in God. Paul's famous warning is in 
Romans 12, verse 3. I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Be careful. Don't think more of yourself than you ought to think. But that, of course, is what happens. We imagine we've got it all. We've figured it all out. We can do it our way. In fact, possibly, our way is better than God's way. I think I have come up with a way of doing this that even is better than what God designed. Would you argue with me that that is a classic example of thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think? We need the wisdom to see our own inadequacies and simply submit to God. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Our big problem here, we talked about it in our Bible class here in the auditorium this morning, our big problem is that we want what we want, we want to do it our way. We, we reject the authority of God because we're determined we can do it our own way. And that's just a self-centered way of approaching life, of, reproach, of, of approaching our religious service. That's an inflated estimate of ourselves. And we need to get rid of that. Pleasing God requires giving up our self-centered notions and submitting to Him, realizing that we can't guide ourselves effectively, that we need His guidance. Bottom line, ultimately, the only thing that really matters in, is God's judgment of us, what He thinks of us. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning verse 3, With me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Paul said, I, it doesn't really matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. The only thing that really matters is what God thinks. And so Solomon had the good sense to acknowledge his own inadequacies. And we need an understanding of that too. That was part of the understanding heart of Solomon, that he could sense his own inadequacies. Solomon requested an understanding heart concerning God's will. And that that would give him a good ability to discern between good and bad. Notice, that I may discern between good and bad. That's what Solomon wanted. He wanted the wisdom to be able to make right choices about what's good and what's not. Our grandkids like to go to the dollar store. And you know, Grandma is, is inclined to give them a dollar to spend at the dollar store. Uh, I'm going to tell you a lot of junk at the dollar store. You can, for a dollar, you can get a plastic toy. And I'll tell you, it's just pure junk. And it, it, if it works at all, it's only going to work for just a little while before it breaks and it's not good for anything except to be thrown in the trash bucket. Uh, but, you know, as a young person, that, that little plastic toy for a dollar seems pretty appealing. What we hope will happen over time is that Young people will mature and begin to say, you know, that's just, that's, that's not good. And it's not worth it. And I'm going to save my money for something that's better. What do we call that? We call it growing up or maturing, don't we? Being able to discern what's good, what's better, what's not good, what's inferior. Spiritually, we need to develop that ability. And in the same sense, we call that maturing too, right? We call that spiritual maturity to be able to discern between good and bad. We need that sense to make the choice for good over evil. 
In Hebrews chapter 5, a familiar text, uh, the Hebrew writer was rebuking the people to whom he was writing. He said, when the time is that you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses notice, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We need to be able, we need to develop this, the ability, the wisdom to, to discern both good and evil when it comes to spiritual things. This life offers lots of enticements, but they are like the cheap plastic toy at the dollar store. They're no good to start with, and they won't last at all. And so when it comes to these choices in life, we need to think of them like that cheap junk at the dollar store. It's not worth it. The enticements of this present time, the things that would lead us away and carry us off into sin, that's not good. That's bad. It won't go anywhere beneficial for us. We need to develop that kind of wisdom to, to discern good and evil. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says, Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. You know, one of, I think, our big problems is that we don't abhor that which is evil. Uh, it appeals to us. Maybe we're attached too much to this world. Well, that catches our eye. We're drawn to it. No, Paul says, Abhor that. Hate it. Despise that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. In Matthew chapter 16, or excuse me, well, I've got a verse there. Hang on, I got a couple of verses out of order there. Um, let me just let me just read you a couple of verses. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus said to the disciples, "If any man will come, wait a minute. I see. I see what my problem is now. Let me go back. I'm going to go back. I just on the wrong page. There, there we go. There we go. We need to abhor that which is evil." Now, here's the verse I want. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says, This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of the Lord. We need to approve the things that are excellent. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20, 21 and 22, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And so, again... Solomon, amazingly, had the sense to ask for an understanding heart. When he could have asked for anything he wanted, he said, help me realize I'm inadequate, I need your guidance, I need to have an understanding of your will so that I can discern between good and bad. Then finally, Solomon wanted wisdom and understanding about how to deal with other people. Notice he said, who is able to judge this thy so great a people. Solomon knew that there'd be a lot of challenges to leading the nation of Israel, that he would need wisdom as he related to the Israelites and as he attempted to guide them in the right ways. Do you remember the first episode that challenged the wisdom of Solomon? Remember when the two women came to him and they were arguing over a, a single baby? There was one baby. One baby had died. One baby. Both women had had a baby. One baby had died. Now they were arguing over whose was the living baby. Remember that story? 
And Solomon said, bring me a sword. And he said, cut the baby in half and give half to one, half to the other. Someone said, how would that solve the problem? Solomon, in his wisdom, was able to know that the real mother will say, no, don't kill the baby. The one who's not the real mother say, sure, that'd be all right with me. But the real mother would say, no, don't kill the baby, give it to her. And Solomon could detect from that who the real mother was. Kind of a famous episode in the life of Solomon. Uh, his wisdom was on display. He needed that kind of wisdom in all sorts of matters, in dealing with the people, and he received that wisdom. And we need that wisdom, too, when it comes to dealing with other people. We need to know our own inadequacies. We need to know God's will. And we need God's particular wisdom when it comes to dealing with others. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Notice, that you may know how to answer every man. The way we answer various individuals, the way we deal with various individuals, it, it varies from person to person. All of us who are parents, especially those of us who have more than one child, uh, would I think every one of us would quickly agree every child is different. And you deal with every child in a different way. Uh, they all have their own unique characteristics and, and, yeah, and you appeal to them and you work with them and you discipline them and you instruct them and, and each one requires the, uh, uh, their own approach. I think the same thing is true when it comes to us serving God. When us when our service to God involves our interaction with others, we, we need wisdom, for instance, about teaching the lost. Here's, here's a lost person, and I want to really try to influence them for God. I need wisdom to know the best way to approach that person. Or here's a weak, here's a weak member of the body of Christ, and, they, and they're having some real struggles in their spiritual life. I need wisdom to know how to approach them. Uh, or... Here's a, here's a fellow who is strong in the faith, but I want to help him too. I want, I want to be a, a, an edifying force in his life as well. I need wisdom. And in all of that, we need to walk in wisdom. Just like Solomon asked for wisdom in dealing with the people, we need wisdom when it comes to dealing with others. In the longer text that James read for us earlier from Titus chapter 2, Titus was an evangelist, of course. Paul was writing to him about the work that he would do. We won't take time to read all that text again, but notice that Paul said you're going to have to work with aged men, you're going to have to work with aged women. You're going to have to work with young women, you're going to have to work with young men. That sort of covers the bases, doesn't it? Paul was telling Titus, use your wisdom in dealing with all of these different categories of people. But you know what he told him? Above all else, show yourself a pattern of good works. In other words, you're going to have to be living it right yourself, uh, setting the right example, and then you're going to have to have wisdom in approaching everyone else. And we need that same wisdom. We need that understanding heart of how to deal with others. We're studying Jude in our adult class here in the auditorium on Sunday mornings, and, and a verse we haven't got to yet, probably will next week. Uh, Jude says, of some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I think Jude is here saying, when it comes to working with people, 
you're going to have to have excellent judgment. Sometimes a soft, tender approach will work, and you should use it. Sometimes a more direct and potentially even harsher approach will be required, like you would jerk someone out of a fire. You need wisdom to do it the right way. Because you know what happens, of course, if we're trying to help someone uh, and, and they're not inclined to do the right thing, very often they'll turn their criticisms upon us, right? You didn't, you didn't approach me right. You didn't do that the right way. So let's try to develop wisdom in approaching people. That's not to say that we'll be able to, to end all of such criticisms, but we need the very best wisdom we can that we would approach people in the right way. And so Solomon prayed for an understanding heart. And he was granted great wisdom, famous for his wisdom. We need wisdom too when it comes to serving God. And just in this brief text, Solomon mentioned three things that ought to be important in all of our thinking. We're personally inadequate. We need to know God's will well so that we can discern between good and evil. We need to understand and have wisdom in working with others also. We need that same understanding heart that Solomon had. I hope that our lesson this morning will encourage us in working toward that end, that we develop that understanding heart. Thanks for your good attention to what we had to say. We'll end the lesson with a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we'll be asking you, make sure your life is right with God. If you've never obeyed the gospel, we hope you'll do that without delay. We're ready to assist you. Having heard the truth, if you'll believe it, repent of your sins and confess your faith in Jesus, you need to be baptized for the remission of sins. We're ready to assist you in your baptism. We'd be glad to study with you more. Let us know how we can help. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful to the Lord, come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.